Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It sounds good.
Church, there we go. All right. So good morning. Uh, welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Scanning the QR code located on the front of your worship guide will allow you to connect to all the online information about our church, including all of our social media platforms. We ask the guests, please click the menu items for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the, gifts, the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online and, again, by scanning the QR code. You can also mail a check to our address at 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or also, there's a designated area in the back that you can drop your offering if you choose to do it that way. After the worship gathering, the Teague Village Group is going to meet in the church house. And there's a couple of important dates and reminders. First of all, the church office will be closed from Thursday, December 22nd through Monday, December 26th. Also, if you'd like to learn more about the Village Church or if you're interested in becoming a church member, then the Enter the Village class is for you. It begins January 8th, and a sign-up sheet is in the Information Center in the foyer. Also, there will be an Enter the Village class for students ready to make a public profession of faith. That class will also begin on January 8th. Sign-ups for both classes are in the foyer, and you can contact the elders 
or Cynthia at enterthevillage.net for more information. Thanks, and please govern yourselves accordingly. Morning, church. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing a few songs together. So good to worship with you this morning. with me name above all names name above all Uh, let's sing that chorus again. Uh, I'm just reminded of that passage in Philippians that talks about 
one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And it's pretty cool that we're part of this even now. And um, all will see how great he is. So let's just ponder that a little bit as we as we sing that he's the name above all names. Um, so sing with me now. Name above all names. You are worthy of our praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And oh, see how great, how great is our God. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, you're already standing. Let's do our call to worship now. I believe it will be up on the screen. It's out of Psalm 145, 1 through 7. I'll read where it says, Leader. And y'all read where it says, people and all. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Don't be afraid to clap if that's your jam. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. Nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, O oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your again your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me great is your love and justice God you use the weak to lead the strong You lead us in the song of your salvation. 
shining faces here in the house of God. You look wonderful, or as I would say, you look beautiful today. All right, let's go to our Lord and Father in prayer. Father God, that song we just sang is so true. Your grace is enough. When we are at the end of our rope, your strength is made perfect in our weakness because your grace is enough. Father, we praise you for all that you are. We praise you for your creation. You spoke. And then through your Son, all things came into being out of nothing. Billions and billions of stars all the way down to subatomic particles, time and space, all came into being through your word. Father, we thank you that it's all through Jesus that that came about. And even now, he upholds things, all things, through the power of his word. We truly stand in awe of you, Father, of your creative power. Father, we think that we can come together here in this place, in this holy of holies, to allow your spirit to move us as a community, not just as individuals. We thank you that we can come here and listen 
for your still small voice in the singing of songs, the reading of the word, through prayer, through the preaching of the word. Father, we just call on your spirit to fall on us here in this place, to move us out of our complacency into a greater knowledge of you. Father, we praise you for your love. This verse, these verses we're about to read, so powerful. It's more than just that you love us, but that you are love. You define love. That's your character, is love. Father, we thank you that you loved us even when we were your enemies when we were of in this world and of this world before you drew us out of it. Father, we thank you that you loved us enough, you loved the world enough to send your son into it, to live the life we could not live, pure, spotless, sinless, righteous, to die the death we deserve on our behalf and then to rise again in glory that we can have eternal life with you. Father, we just thank you for these mind-blowing, awesome facts that we can hardly get our head around, but we know are true. Father, we pray for Pastor Alex as he comes in a moment to uh, share with us what God has placed on his heart that came this week. Be with him. Your spirit move through him and move in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our confession of sin comes from Psalm 143, verses 1 through 2. Oh, that's him. Sorry, I'm a little confused here. No, I'm good. All right. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for now, for no one living is righteous before you. This is the time that we have in our service where we can all go to the Lord and confess to Him our sins from the past week, sins of omission, sins of commission. Let's go to him silently in, in prayer of confession. Amen. Our assurance of pardon comes from Psalm 144, verse 2. The Lord is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge. If you are able, please stand for the wording, for the reading of the word of God. We're going to read from 1 John, verse 4. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Listen for the word of God. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love in God and abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. This is the word of the God of God. Thanks, Richard. So it's Christmas this week, as you know, or next next Sunday. And um as we sing this song, a lot of times this is seen as an Easter song, but we know we celebrate Easter all the time, just like we celebrate Christmas all the time, because Jesus came to die, um, so that, you know, it's easy to hear that passage and, and shoulder a lot of shame, at least in my past, about how I, I can't perfectly love my brother, but I don't have to. I can try to, but Jesus, uh, he, he died on the cross, and his love is so deep for us, um, so that when I fail, that I still have acceptance. And um, so as we sing this song, let's uh, remember that it's uh, it's kind of graphic. You know, there's a man who's on the cross who who uh, has died for us and we get to celebrate that. How deep the father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure That He would give His only Son To make 
cancer. We, uh, one of our, uh, Miss Patricia, husband, has surgery this tomorrow, so I pray for Mark that everything will go well there. I pray for our congregation who will be traveling this week to, to visit family for the Christmas, that you give them all safe travels. I pray for those in our congregation who are dealing with loneliness and mental health struggles, Lord, that you will minister to them. For some of us, the holidays are very stressful. It's not very peaceful. So I pray that you will give us an extra measure of your grace, endurance, stamina. I pray for those in our congregation who will be traveling with small kids. That's not going to be much rest. So give them patience, Father. Give them patience. I pray for our kids and our youth that you give them patience with one another, their siblings, with their parents, and their grandparents. And Lord, I pray for those who are recovering from surgeries. I pray for continued healing there for them. I pray, Lord, for those who need a financial blessing that you will provide for those families in our congregation who need that. And I pray if there's anyone in our church who, who needs help, that it will come and let us know. We can't help if we don't know. Can't help if we don't know. There is no shame. We all need help at some point. And let's be honest. All of us are just one bad, one bad situation away from living paycheck to paycheck. None of us are beyond it. So I pray for our marriages, Lord, for protection and healing over those. Help spouses to be patient and kind and loving towards one another. I pray for those in our church who are in courtship relationships, that you will uh, watch over them, protect them, Lord. And Lord, I pray for just a deeper awareness for all of us that, of who you are for us. I pray for those in our congregation who don't know you yet, who have not made a profession of faith that you would draw them in. I pray for those in, in our congregation who are maybe in a crisis of faith and wondering, do I really believe this? Is this really true? Or is this just something that we do in the South? Is there really a God? Well, I'm just here because my parents are here. I'm just here because this is what I grew up doing. Minister to our doubts. Minister to our uncertainties, Holy Spirit. I pray that you will minister to those who may be struggling with any type of addiction, Lord. That you help them to reach out for help. That they will let someone into their circle of trust. I pray for anyone in our congregation who may be dealing with uh, this, you know, uh, this gender issues and, and identity, Lord. That you will minister to them. That they will reach out if they need help. If they just need someone to talk to and help us to be a safe place for for people who are struggling. Because we're broken people. No one here has it all together. And it's okay because we serve a God who does have it all together. And that is enough. So, Lord, we bring to you things that are spoken and unspoken. And we are grateful that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, that prayers of which we cannot even understand. So even then, although I'm praying, the Spirit is praying for us. Thank you, Spirit, for that. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Advent is, reminds us that Jesus comes to bring hope, peace, love, and joy. 
But as I've been saying over the past uh, few Sundays, we don't always experience this hope, peace, love, and joy. It's because our lives are often chained down by fear, despair, apathy, or misery. TVC Saints, Jesus doesn't just bring us hope and peace and love and joy. He also enters into our fear, our despair, and our apathy, and our misery. He brings and he enters. It's both ends. Just like we can't bypass Jesus to get what he brings, he doesn't bypass our pain, our brokenness, and our weaknesses just to give us what he brings. He ministers to us first. He enters into our fear and our despair and our apathy and our misery, and then he replaces them with peace, hope, love, and joy. And as an amen statement and a hallelujah in the house statement, Because I don't care how long we've been Christians, you struggle with fear, you struggle with despair, you struggle with apathy, and sometimes you struggle with just being miserable. We do. And what does Jesus have to say to that? Because of Christ, we can say hallelujah anyhow. No matter who or what comes our way, hallelujah anyhow. Until Jesus turns our night into day, it's hallelujah anyhow. And our struggles with fear, hallelujah anyhow. And our struggles with despair, hallelujah anyhow. And our struggles with apathy, hallelujah anyhow. This morning I'm going to talk about a love greater than apathy. A love greater than apathy. The sermon text is 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. The big main point of this sermon is this. Because Jesus is our love, we can shout hallelujah anyhow in our struggles with apathy. Notice what I said. Because Jesus is our love, We can shout hallelujah anyhow in our struggles with apathy. But do we believe it? Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, third person within the Godhead, the counselor, our deposit that guarantees our future inheritance, our helper, the one who leads us into all truth, the one who helps us understand scripture, the one who uses the Lord's table to to give us spiritual nourishment. That is you, Holy Spirit, it's not us. And so we pray to you, beg of you, that you would take these words and apply it to our minds and our hearts. We cannot do it ourselves. It's supernatural, Lord, Holy Spirit. You're doing it. So please, Bring glory to our Lord and Savior and minister to each of us in the places that we need ministered to. It's in Christ's wonderful name I pray. Amen. What does apathy mean? What does it mean? It means lacking motivation to do anything or just don't care about what's going on around you. It's not caring about relationships, your life, your health, your job, school, activities, or even the well-being of others. Apathy, you just, you just going along with just no cares at all. 
Apathy is characterized by feelings of indifference and emptiness. It can be normal at times for us to experience apathy, but it can also be a sign of a mental health condition. And so if, if that's the case, then you need professional help. We can't just throw Bible verses at mental health problems and expect things to get better. Okay, that doesn't work that way. Counseling and medication is sometimes necessary. Now, the apathy that's not associated with, with a mental health condition can still cause issues in our life. Remember, apathy is, is a state of, of not caring. It's an attitude of detachment, unconcern, and indifference. One blogger writes, apathy is new territory for some. It once was, it once was for me. For then, I, I didn't even know what apathy was, even though I may have experienced apathy many times myself. Apathy says, I don't care what you do. Go do it. I don't care if I see you or speak to you again. I won't bother calling. I'll be busy doing something else. But know for sure I won't be thinking about you. With apathy, there is zero occupation of the mind about the other person. The other person might as well be dead. Apathy doesn't, apathy doesn't care either way or anyway. Apathy says that I chose not to let you occupy my mind in any way. I'm done. Apathy is, is, is if anything, it's not, the op- it's not only the opposite of love, it is the true adversary of love. Think about that. Please take those words to heart. Apathy is not only the opposite of love, It is the true adversary of love. And if that's true, then apathy just doesn't hinder our attempts to extend love to others. It also hinders our experiences of love or even to embrace love. Amen? How does apathy work itself out in your life? How does it? Are we an apathetic church? None of us here are beyond dealing with apathy. Please know that. Kids, teens, we all deal with apathy at some point in our life. At some point in your life, you're going to be like, I just don't care. I just don't care. How can we prevent apathy from enslaving us? How can we be free from not caring enough? Who can free us from not caring that we don't care? Helen Keller once says, who is from this area, she says, science may have found a cure for most evils, but it has found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. Science may have found a cure for most evils, but it has found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. You see, the only remedy for our apathy is Jesus. Uh, you believe that? Oh, is it Nick Saban? Oh, who is it? Is it Santa Claus? Easter Bunny? The only remedy for our apathy is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can set us free from an apathetic spirit. Why? Because he is the one who gives a love that's greater than apathy. And so what is this love? First, a love greater than apathy 
comes from God and is God himself. So if you take notes, that's the first point. Look at verses 7 and 8 with me. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. A love greater than apathy comes from God, which means it does not come from humanity. It does not begin with us. It does not begin with American Christians. Human love isn't the foundation or source of this love. The source of love isn't a place or a thing or a movement. It's not in material possessions. It's not in whatever gifts are under your Christmas tree. It's not in your electronic devices. It's not even having a huge social media following. It's not in the approval of other people. It's not Christmas gifts. The Trinitarian God of the Bible is the source of love. And what does, he's the origin of it. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is the source of love. Next, a love greater than apathy is God himself. John says God is love. What does that statement mean? You see, God isn't just a source of love. Love is part of his nature. It's one of his moral attributes. It's in his innermost being. So remember, God is the source of love. He's the source of a love greater than apathy. And a love greater than apathy is part of who he is as God. It's part of his goodness. But do you believe that? But do you believe that? In his commentary on 1 John, one Bible commentator tells a, recites a conversation a pastor had with a highly intelligent lady who prided herself on her intelligence. She tells the pastor, I have no use for the Bible, for Christian superstition or religious dogma. It is enough for me to know that God is love. This pastor says, well, do you know of it? Well, of course I do, she says. Everybody knows that. Next, the pastor goes on to ask the lady if people in India knew God is love. He asked if the tribes in the jungles of Africa knew that God is love. Perhaps not, she says, but in civilized lands, we all know. But how is it that we know it, he says? Who told us? Where did we find it out? The lady is confused by these questions. I don't understand what you mean, she says. I have always known it. But the pastor boldly tells her, no one in the world ever knew it until it was revealed from heaven and recorded in the word of God. It is here and nowhere else. It is not found in all the literature of the ancients. This conversation means that a love greater than apathy is revealed to us by God. That is an amen statement. He reveals his love to us. You didn't go searching for it. A love, the love of God has been manifested among us. Look at verse 9. John writes, in this, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. Do you know what's interesting about that phrase? If you're an English major, what type of phrase is that? It's passive. And for theologians, there's a theological passive, which means God is doing the work and not us. Where he's doing it, not us. We don't have to take God by the hand and help him to love us. 
we, our performance and our productivity doesn't manifest God's love among us. Neither does your goodness and your righteousness. It's his free, sovereign choice to put his love on display amongst us. TVC saying God isn't just a source of love. Love isn't just part of his nature, but he also reveals his love to us. Amen. A love greater than apathy is manifested among us. This means God's love isn't just talking words like ours. It's in truth and deed. He loves you. It's not just some lyrics of a song or words in a poem. It's not just some abstract theological principle in books. But it is real. It is a fact. It is truth. One pastor says, God spills out his love on us. If his love was a pitcher of Kool-Aid, then he's spilling it all on us. And you know the thing about Kool-Aid without sugar, it's going to stick on you. So you want God's Kool-Aid to stick on you. And it's red Kool-Aid, the good Kool-Aid. Look at verse 9 again. He spills out his love on us through his son, Jesus. Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God manifests his love among us by sending his only son in the world. What does that mean? It means the incarnation of Jesus is a display of God's love for you. Do you, think, do you know that? Christmas morning is a display that God loves you. The incarnation of Jesus is, is God spilling out his love on us, on y'all, on me, on the world. And what's the incarnation? It's Jesus been conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and she gives birth to him. It's Jesus humbling himself to become man with a real body and a reasoning soul, yet without sin. The incarnation is Jesus being sent into the world as Emmanuel, God with us in flesh and blood. And that is a display of God's love. Does God love me? Christmas is a re- it shows you that he does. Then what kind of world did God send his son into? It says he sent his son into the world, but what kind of world is it? Is it a perfect world? Is it a world filled with, with good and lovable people? Is it a world that, that, that there are no issues? Is it a world where everything, there's, there's a bed of roses? Everything's wonderful, like the Lego movie. It's just awesome. Is that the type of world that Jesus comes into? If the world was that way, there was no need for him to come. Jesus, what kind of world is Jesus born into on that first Christmas morning? The kind of world where a king would want to kill him. That type of world. The world where he had to flee to Egypt for his life. A world where he had been, he was born in a manger. That type of life. He's Born into a world that's created by his father. It's his father's creation. 
But the world is under the curse of sin. The world is broken. The world is rebellious. Jesus is born into a world that is in opposition to his father. He's born into a world where human beings are in bondage to sin, oppressed by the sins of other people, trapped in fear, despair, apathy, and misery. Jesus is born into a world filled with poverty and suffering, injustice, corruptions, and suicides. He's born into a world that rejects him and rejects the love he brings. Jesus brings God's love. He reveals a love greater than apathy, but his people don't want it and they don't want him. John 1, verses 9 and 11 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So what does that mean, Alex? If Jesus wasn't born today, we would not receive him. That's what it means. We would do the same thing they did. Now, the incarnation isn't the only way God reveals his love to us in Christ. He reveals it another way. Look at verse 10. John writes, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This statement means the atonement of Christ is a display of God's love for us. Well, Pastor, what in the world is the atonement of Christ? What does that mean? That's such a big word, Pastor. The atonement of Christ is his sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross. On the cross. He atones for our sins before God. By being our substitute on that tree. We just sung about it on how, how deep the Father love is for us. Isaiah 53. This is, we, we all know this passage. It's always read during Advent time. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon, uh, for our iniquities. upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That's love. That's love. Jesus satisfies God's wrath towards our sin by dying on the cross. Please understand, we're born into this world under the curse of sin and under the wrath of God. And Jesus is the one who comes and saves us from both. That's love. He bears the wrath of God, so we never have to. He turns the attention of God's wrath away from us and towards himself. It's all upon Jesus on the cross. The Father turns his face away. What does that mean? That's the Father's punishing Jesus for our sins. Christ's suffering is a display of God's love for you. And hallelujah, and how. This is love. Not that you have loved God, but that he loves you and sends his son to die for all your sins, past, present, future. Hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, anyhow.
So first, a love greater than apathy is from God, the attribute of God. Second, a love greater than apathy is revealed to us through the incarnation and the atonement of Christ. And finally, a love greater than apathy is for broken people. That's a hallelujah in the house statement. It's important for us to remember and understand the kind of people God loves through Christ. God loves broken people. It's a hallelujah in the house statement, right? He loves people who fall short of his glory. Hallelujah, anyhow. He loves people who are flawed and imperfect. Hallelujah, anyhow. He loves people who struggle with fear and despair and apathy. Hallelujah, anyhow. See, God loves sinners is a hallelujah, anyhow statement that has really become Christian lingo, right? A cool status update on our social media platform. Do we really understand what it means for God to love sinners. Do we, I mean, do we really understand it? Not just in our minds, but in our hearts. Paul tells us in Romans 5, Romans 5 please listen to these, these three verses I want to read. Romans 5, 6 says, for, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah in the house. Romans 5, 8 says, for God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah, anyhow. Romans 5, 10 says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Hallelujah, anyhow. Do y'all see it now? A love greater than apathy is given by God to sinners, to the ungodly, to his enemies. Who were you before Christ saved you? You were God's enemy. 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 Not just a sinner. You were his enemy. But what does it mean to be his enemy? It means you didn't care nothing about him. That's what it means. It means you live your life doing this to God. And you can do this, to, you can give God the hand, not just by your own righteousness, you can do it with your self-righteousness too. Well, I got this. It's my goodness. It's my goodness. And us in the Bible Belt, we need to hear that more. Who were you before Jesus saved you? You were God's enemy. Well, I'm a good southern Christian. You were a good southern enemy of God. No matter what you were, you were his enemy. Whatever adjective you want to put in it, before Christ, you were his enemy. Period. You, I don't care if you went to church. If you didn't have faith, saving faith in Jesus, your worship was in vain. You went to Sunday school in vain. You were his enemy. God loves his enemies. He sacrificed. Think about this. He sacrifices his only begotten son in order that his enemies might be reconciled to him. Who in the world, what other God, what other person that you know would sacrifice his only son for his own, for his enemies? Christianity is, is different from every other religion in the world. No one would do that. I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. But God does that. 
Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have in Christ because we forget where we came from. We think we deserve it all. We don't deserve it. What we deserve is damnation. And God would have been glorified and given it to us. But because of his great love, because of his kindness, because of his grace, he said, I'm going to deal, I'm going to save those aliens in my life. I'm going to reconcile them to myself by giving my only beloved son. Now, if that doesn't move you to love Jesus, I ain't got nothing for you. <laughs> Go on down to Barnes and Noble and get your Oprah book. Because I ain't got nothing there for you. God's love is a sacrificial love. It's hallelujah anyhow. Through saving faith in Jesus, listen to this. Through saving faith in Jesus, sinners are transformed into saints. Hallelujah anyhow. Through saving faith in Jesus, God's enemies become his friends. Hallelujah anyhow. In Christ, orphans become adopted, beloved sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Not just any son, not just any daughter, beloved sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Anyhow. There's hope for the hopeless in Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyhow. There's comfort in your hardships. Hallelujah. Anyhow. There's healing for your trauma. Hallelujah. Anyhow. There's forgiveness for all the evil and bad things you have ever done in Christ. Hallelujah. Anyhow. In Christ, you can forgive yourself. Hallelujah. Anyhow. In Christ, you are enough. Hallelujah. Anyhow. In Christ, broken people can come together to embrace a love greater than apathy and extend that same love to other people even if they don't deserve it because we don't deserve Jesus' love either. Hallelujah anyhow. One church hymn says, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain. For me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love, saints. How can it be that thou, our God, should die for us while we were his enemies? It's because his love is greater than our sins. His love is greater than our shortcomings. His love is greater than our issues. His love is greater than our mistakes. His love is greater than our failures. His love is greater than our struggles with apathy. And that's hallelujah anyhow. I want y'all to take a look at this table. This table, this meal, is a reminder. Really, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is, a, is a hallelujah anyhow meal. Because it reminds us, it's a tangible reminder of God's great love for his beloved kids. That's what this meal reminds you of. It's a reminder of what God did so that he can make you his. Not just his some of the time, but you're his all the time. Your name, your inheritance, it's all changed now. 
Your destiny has changed now. If you know Christ, your struggles with sin will, will not separate you from God because there's forgiveness. Because, it's, because your position with him is based upon what his son did. And when on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, in the Greek that means it's finished. There's nothing else you can add to it. And I've said this before. You don't have to climb on the cross with him. Because you ain't going to resurrect, okay? You don't have to climb on the cross with him. His body, his blood, his death is enough. Friends and neighbors, if you don't profess faith in Christ, thank you for being here. And if you have questions about what it means to be a Christian, please see me or one of the elders or women shepherds at the end of the service. And adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited by the church that you are a member of. So that means if you are a member of another church and your kid is already taking communion there, then they are free to partake of communion here with us. Now, TVC kids, this is part of my favorite part. This is where I get to talk to all of my TVC kids. I got kids. Pastor Alice, have your attention, little one. This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you and that his love is real. And it's my prayer as your pastor, one day each of you will come to saving faith in Christ and be able to partake of this meal with your church family. Until then, observe what we do. And if you have questions about communion, your parents have my number. I'm your pastor too. You, you can have them reach out to me and we can talk about it. So don't, I'm not, you don't have to be afraid of me. Let us go to the Lord now in prayer. Holy Spirit, as we prepare to partake of the elements, I pray that you will bless them, that you will use these elements to, to give us spiritual nourishment. And I do pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And we, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And have the elders come forward. If you are, want to prepackage um, communion set, please let the elders know, and they will give it to you. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I shall not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity 
and cleanse me from all my sins. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, I have no good apart from you. Christ's body, broken for all of us, eat of it, all of us. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup, and having given thanks, gave it to the disciples, and saying, this cup is in the covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it, all of you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Beloved sons and daughters, this is Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being enough. Thank you for being good. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will use this meal to give us the spiritual nourishment that we need. And I pray for all this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Saints, will you please stand as we close our service?
right, I thought we'd uh, end with a Christmas song. Let's sing Angels We Have Heard on High. Uh, it would be a pretty cool thought think about being in the field. I don't know how many angels there were. A few million. I'm not sure. But um, they were singing glory to God in the highest and um, peace on earth, and we're going to sing the same thing. So, Angels We Have Heard on High. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plain, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Gloria in excelsis Deo. To Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. service next Sunday on Christmas morning. It won't be a long service, but we are going to have it. Just don't feel good about canceling service on Jesus' birthday. So uh, won't do a live stream, so we'll, we'll definitely will have a short service next Sunday. Now here's God's benediction to his beloved. Now may the, God, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.